Hi, welcome to our podcast, Chewing the Cud. I'm Karen Holton and I'm a dairy farmer. And I'm Leah Griffiths and I'm the head of Youngstock here at Holton Farms. In this episode, we're going to be talking about all things TB. Not a topic that farmers particularly want to face, but it is an important topic that we all should be discussing. We're going to be discussing about how it affects the farm financially, emotionally, and the stress to everyone on the farm, including our cows. Chewing the Cud at Halton Farms. Right, okay, TB. That's not a particularly nice subject. Definitely needs talking about. How about you start us off because um, you're an employee in the business. So I know what it means to me because I own the business and I know the impact it can have. Um, how about you tell me from your perspective, being an employee on the ground, how it, it hits you maybe? Okay. Um, so I guess with the young stock, especially, we now know that we've got to change how we sell our calves, how we hold on to them for a lot longer. Um, We can also see the impact that it's having on you as our bosses and everyone around us, I suppose. It's just not a nice feeling in general, atmospherically. It's just not nice. Um, And it's happened recently and it's hit us pretty hard. Yeah, I think when people talk about um, TB and impacts on the business, I think what we don't talk about a lot is probably the emotional impact. Yeah. And the emotional impact spreads far and wide. So it goes across the business as a whole. Mm. It goes across all the people because all the people in our business, whether they drive tractors or they scrape up yards or they milk cows or they rear calves, everybody is in contact with a cow. So, you know, I have this saying here, if you don't love cows or don't have a passion, you can't work here. So because of that, when when you enter into something like this, there's probably nobody in that business that isn't involved with the cows. So I would say from my point of view, like I always say things like, you know, it's a journey. It's another journey. We've gone down with TB. Here we go again on another journey. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, this is probably not a journey I'd like to take. No. And over the years, we've had the odd case here and there. And sometimes it's been that when it's gone for culling and they've opened that cow up and they've never found a lesion or so it might have been a false positive. It might have had contacts in its life somewhere with TB, but it wasn't a sick cow. It didn't have a lesion, so we couldn't culture it. Very odd occasions, we might have found one along the way. And this is going over many years. This is going over like 20, 30 years. Um, We've had one and it was a TB case, but we never saw anything else. This time has been probably the most painful and I've never experienced anything like this and don't want to again. But we've had two suspect cases in less than 18 months, which then triggers something called a gamma test, which is a blood test. And is something I have always dreaded having to have because it does throw up some false positives. And for us, it's thrown up a lot of cows. So it's actually, we've gone from just one, losing a lovely old Monty cow. She was nine years old back in July, which is, that's why it triggered this test um, she had a lump on the skin test, so fair enough. They've actually found a lesion, but they've cultured it 
and we still don't know yeah. they've not come to the end of culturing yeah. so this has flagged up this gamma so the gamma's come along and now it's taken 20 cows 18 of which have already been slaughtered but they've only found one with lesions so that's the only one that will get tested so out of that many did we have or how many we did have that were false positives i don't know and we'll no. never know it's no. something we'll never know on the positive is it well i don't know it's hard to say about killing your cows what's positive yeah. if some of those others had got TB, you just couldn't see it when you open them up, then fine. We've we've removed them and stopped them infecting somebody else, something else. So I suppose we've got to think about it like that. Mm. Um, but I found this a particularly harrowing journey because I've never, ever lost that many cows in one go. So, so many. Yeah, forget about the, I don't care. It's, it is about the money because it's tough the money bit is the hard bit as well but I'd give you the money all day if I could keep my cows yeah if I didn't kill cows I'd pay you not to do it so I'd pay you for a vaccine tomorrow yeah it's the biggest thing I think as much as the the older cows going as hard as it is but watching our young stock as in what they're 12 months they're in calf heifers Mm. they're flagging up as positive and that's gut-wrenching yeah it's horrible we're killing up we're killing a young animal that's gonna have a calf so we're killing the calf as well inside her yeah depending how far on she is or was in this case um and hence why that's the only uh, 18 of them have gone because there's two left behind one unfortunately and very sadly is baby soft pants who this year had actually retired to the pet paddock to live out the rest of her life so that's what we did the video on Facebook and on our Twitter and everything, which has gone really viral. Loads of people have seen it, which is yeah. good because we do need to bring attention to this yeah. um, and let people see what it does, how it does impact because it isn't just an animal that's productive. Mm-hmm. You know, these are our girls, these are our work colleagues yeah. and these are an animal that we care dearly for. They're part of our family. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so baby soft pants, bless her. Um, she flagged up, but she's still here because we, um, before she went, she had a bit of foul before she, she went down. So we've treated her with something. So she's in what they call withdrawal. So she can't go to slaughter yet. And then there was another cow that's with her isolated at the moment that is only at the time of the test was only about the result was only about 24 days off calving so I can't send her either and then once she calves we've got to wait seven days but we'll see how everything goes there is an option we might be able to do an on-farm slaughter because that would be ideal because I don't want baby soft pants she's quite humanized and quite tame and she loves people and I think to put her in a slaughterhouse environment she won't she'll she won't know what's going on and she trusts people so I don't want to do that yeah so again there's all these layers they're going having the test and flagging up with TB is the top of the iceberg Mm. I think it's underneath what's going on under the water yeah and it's all that aggravation of of all the paperwork of all the systems you go through, all the challenges of that cow can't go, she's got TB, uh, she's got a calf, sorry, inside her that's only 24 days off calving. Um, you know, the pet paddock, we've got a pet going. How do we manage that? I don't want to ever go into a slaughterhouse. Um, you see, there's so many layers. Then it's paperwork. If those two don't go, then the calves that we've got to go to Orange Market that can only go once a month. Yeah. 
they can't go to Orange Market because I've got two cases on farm. It's, yeah. It never stops. No. It's like an onion. Yeah. And every day I'm peeling something back. Then, And the next thing I know what's going to happen is we do get compensation. It's nothing like what that animal is worth to us. It's a million miles away from it. Mm. But I know now my compensation for those 18 is probably going to get held up because I've still got two on farm. Yeah. And I won't let them go. You know, I could do, I could Mm. easily do it, but I I find it unethical. Yeah. I've got to let that cow calf on farm. Yeah. And yeah. So it's, there's so many things that come from it that you don't realise. And that's just for me in here. Yeah. I'm in the office doing a lot of that. You guys are out, you more than me are with the animals outside. You do office, but you do a lot outside as well. Yeah. So we're holding on to a lot more calves than we would normally if we were clear. Um, So that puts pressure on, well, it puts pressure on us. It puts pressure on the calves. The stocking density is, is a problem for welfare. And it's something that I think people aren't, always aware of that we're having to cling on to these calves Mm. and we might send calves once a week normally but we're having to hold on to them for up to a month at a time and that's not good for anybody that's not good for them that's not good for us um yeah yeah so so that's our beef calves isn't it so our heifer calves they stay stay. anyway regardless so they come through the system you know they end up coming back into the herd and milking um, in two years time it's those beef calves which because of our morals as well and our ethics we won't compromise on how we rear them yeah. so we're not going to cut the milk powder back because you know we've got to keep hold of them we're going to and you've just done some weights today and you know they're putting on nearly a kilo a day yeah. which is amazing and yeah. that's what they should be doing um, but that's costing a lot of money yeah and that's money that normally we wouldn't be spending because by now we'd have sold those onto a rearer yeah um, and we can't do that. So we can't compromise. We've got to find that extra money to feed them. And we've almost had a perfect storm because at the same time, the milk price has dropped. So massively dropped, you know, we've worked out, I think what at the moment did I say our costs of production and, you know, I'm not embarrassed to say it because we do really well. You know, we're, we're good farmers, mm. the 43p yeah. um, a litre, but we're getting paid 35 you know, and that's happening to a lot of farms. Some will have lower cost of production to us, you know, um, and they won't have as big a gap, but that is what our cost of production is. Yeah. I've had people in, I've had the vets look at it. I've had the feed people look at it. I've had um, a really good friend of mine. I had a really good chat with her the other day who works for Kite Consulting. You know, there's nothing, when you go through everything we do, we're in the top 1% in the country for a lot of stuff. We're in the top 5% in the country for a lot of other stuff. What do we pull? You know, we've Mm -hmm. made a redundancy through it, um, which is somebody that works in the office a bit. And, you know, we've made that redundancy. We've not put wages up. Um, you know, we already pay quite, I don't think we're tight at paying. You might think differently, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we're not mean. And I'd no. like, I mean, under, in the perfect world and in any other industry, we'd be paying a lot more for people. Yeah. It just it just doesn't afford us to. We no. just can't. Milk price just doesn't allow that. Um, I don't, it's hard. It's really hard because... I can't compromise on health and welfare. That no. It's just a given that I will never do that. So if my cost of production is 43p, 
and we roll like we roll, then so be it. Yeah. I'm not going to be embarrassed. And I'm certainly not going to cut corners to make people's lives harder. Yeah. You guys need to come to work. You need to enjoy it. Yeah. Go home, have a life. You know, I'd rather roll with a couple more of you doing less hours than ask three or four of you to work 70 hour weeks. I just think that's barbaric. Yeah. Um, and it's not for the modern day world. And it's also not encouraging people into the industry, no. which we really desperately need to do. Chewing the Cud, a podcast about life on a Cheshire dairy farm. I thought as well we could talk about um, the TBAS meeting that we had with the vets and what the outcome of that was so we need to explain a little bit about yep. what TBAS so is. TBAS is the TB advisory service. So um, it's free, and your vets will come out and do a uh, a questionnaire, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and they basically look at areas of your farm that you can um, improve on in terms of wildlife um, or keeping wildlife out, or they're looking at how TB could be coming onto the farm. So that could be vehicles, that could be people. Um, and the outcome of ours was wildlife, wasn't it? It was, but I feel scared saying it because now I'm going to get <laughs> hounded by animal rights. People are going, how can you prove it? So we're surmising it's very possible it is yep. because all the things that you do to keep yourself safe, we do. Yep. We're a closed herd, which means we breed our own replacements. We don't buy anything in. Um, we don't feed cows in the fields. In fact, this year for the first year, we've kept our cows in most of the time because it was so hot. We didn't graze the lows out this year. And part of me is always relieved when we don't do that or if we don't do it because you have got that threat of a possible TB from mm-hmm. wildlife. So, you know, it's a bit of a, it's difficult because do you want your cows in all year round? In a perfect world, it'd be lovely if you graze them half the year and you have them in half the year. But if you've got threats like heat stress and um, you've got things like um, possibility of TB coming from wildlife on your land, then no, you know, it, it does feel safer to keep them in. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm doing them an injustice, putting them under threat yeah. by turning them out almost. So the main herds haven't gone out this time. Um, we don't feed, if they are out, we don't do things like feed mineral licks or anything like that in the fields. That's all done in their food ration actually in the yard we have water troughs that are special troughs that have slanted sides and are very high so no wildlife can get in them mm-hmm. um we have um thinged gates so a lot of the gates around the yard have got like mesh on the bottom so you know i don't it's really hard what we we seem to do everything so we just can't think where else it can come from yeah um the frustrating thing i think as well is that our heifers have never been outside have they they've never grazed outside so the fact we had eight show up on the test um at the unit that's never been grazed is alarming so So does that say the wildlife is coming Coming into the yard yeah Yeah. quite possibly yeah so there was two eight month heifers that went um which is really really sad they're only just at the start of their life yeah um 
and they went and it yeah it just one might they be the false positives yeah. i mean let's let's be honest you know something has got lesions and for that many to flag up we must have something lurking somewhere there's yeah. something going on but how is it getting to us that's the million dollar question yeah i think the next thing tom and i are discussing now which will cost money is just the yards and at townsend especially at the heifer rearing unit you know just to do some extra sort of security type fencing really mm. in all the little gateways and gaps just to secure the yard up so that you really couldn't nothing really could get in there yeah I mean it might look a little bit like Fort Knox by the time we finish <laughs> but I don't know I don't know what else to do we do that to keep them safe yeah I think that's the next plan and here at home as well you know out the back of the calf pens on the top yard you know there's an area we could try and run some security fencing around the edge of the buildings and stuff like that yeah I, I can't imagine the wildlife comes into us to that level because of the dogs and things yeah. and the dogs are out loose in the back garden at night they're in and out of the house and through the garden I don't know mm. um I would imagine they put them off but so I don't know is it the older cows that picked it up two years ago mm have now passed it in amongst the herd. Yeah. I don't know. You just don't know when they've picked it up, do you either? That's no. the thing. No. You, it's something we'll never know. No. Um, and another sort of under the ice, well, under the water um, thing is about our raw milk. So yeah. that's a knock-on effect of it. So we're not able to sell raw milk. So. No, we're not, which is something we've done for a long time. So we've been selling raw milk here since 2016 on farm through a milk bot vending machine, which has always been massively popular. And as the years go by, raw milk is getting more and more popular because a lot of people really believe in health benefits from it. So for people that don't know, raw milk is, it's unpasteurized, unhomogenized. So it's in its most natural state. It's very clean. It's milk from the cow, goes through the filters, in the chillers, into the bolt tank. Um, just before it hits the bolt tank, what we need for the milk vending machine, we take out into a separate tank and push it into the fridge bit of the vending machine. People come along, um, put the money in, get a container and take their milk away. And it is so popular and it is brilliant. It's what we've always drunk. We don't drink anything else. I could never drink supermarket milk because mm. just all the goodness has been boiled and killed out of it really. So yeah. this is milk where it's in its best state with its calcium, its vitamins, its minerals, its enzymes, everything's undamaged. Yeah. So that's been a massive hit because yeah, that's a hit monetary wise, but it's also a hit people wise yeah. because there's people that come onto the farm to buy it, that come and see the cows, the mm. calves, they have a chat and they learn something about farming, mm. something positive. Yeah and take that away so that sort of audience now is dropping away because it's very the real hardcore raw milk followers it's very hard to convince them to drink anything else yeah so we do our pasteurized milk in the other machine which is only lightly pasteurized to minimum standard it's not homogenized so we've not beat the fat out of it and put it into tiny tiny particles and um, that are no good for you we've left it as close to its natural state as possible and it tastes absolutely lovely like raw milk does a million miles away from the supermarket milk but you still just that hardcore lot of people yeah you just cannot quite convince them to have it yeah which is it's sad really but so they either don't drink it some of that hardcore they just won't have milk mm. or they do go and find it somewhere else which is a lot further away yeah it's funny i literally had someone come to the calf pen gates as i was weighing these beef calves today 
And he said to me about the, the raw milk and I'm not around the, in the milk shack very much, but I've had that twice now. People yeah. come over yeah. and say, oh, where's your raw milk? Have you got the raw milk? And I've had, it's horrible to have to tell them why. Why? Yeah. It's horrible. And we've put a sign up on the machine to say to the customers why we can't sell raw milk. And they're just devastated. And they have come specifically mm. for mm. that yeah, yeah. They? yeah well, in the background you know I'm getting phone calls I get messages yeah. through social media accounts asking is it on yet when will it be on and I actually um I, I'd put a message on about it and what was happening to us but I should have updated it so I did that back in July we were shut down and I was going to do an update and when I got the update which is these cows this 20 that have come up and 18 have already been killed I can't write the update. I keep breaking down. Yeah. And I said to you the other day, didn't I? I've got to write this update mm. and I don't know how to start it. And I can't bring myself round to actually yeah. typing up what's going on without either getting mega upset about it. Mm. Like I'm going a bit now, my voice is going. Oh, um, so stop it. Um, without either getting really upset about it or knowing what, I just don't know how to explain to mm. somebody and and explain to the general public. If I explain to a farmer, I can use a completely different terminology yeah. that they're going to get and they'll understand it. But when I'm dealing with the general public that aren't farming, I, I can't begin to understand how I'm going to explain to them that I've killed 18 cows and that I've only found one with lesions. I don't know. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I did have to explain it to a lady the other day who got her eggs stuck in the other <laughs> bedding machine. <laughs> And I had to go round and get them out for her. And well, I had to replace them. They were pretty smashed. <laughs> and um, we got onto that because again, she'd come for raw milk. Yeah. And she travelled from Warrington mm. and didn't know. And eventually I gave her some of our pasteurised milk, but I had to explain. She asked lots of questions and I actually broke down, which was yeah. quite, is it embarrassing? I don't know if it is. No, it's not embarrassing. Yeah. Um, cause it's what's going on. So I shouldn't yeah. be embarrassed. I did feel slightly stupid for, I felt for her cause yeah. she was like, Oh my God, what am yeah. I going to do? Um, but she got it. She understood in the end when we talked it through yeah. what was going on. And she was just like, she couldn't believe that that sort of thing happened. Yeah. And she found it quite, she kept saying, well, it's barbaric. Why has nobody sorted this out by now? And I was like, Oh God it's political a yeah. lot of it yeah it's political but and then she also couldn't understand why we didn't vaccinate mm. <laughs> well of course I would if I could get hold of one yeah and I actually got asked this question a few weeks ago by somebody who's doing an article on something um would if there was a vaccine available would you use it even if you had to pay for it and my answer is we vaccinate for lots of other things yep it's vaccination is a preventative yep. measure. Why would you not prevent something happening that was negative to your animals? Yeah. And the cost of the, the emotional cost, the administration cost and the financial cost to our business and what it puts us through as a whole team and a whole farm team of people And even outside people like our vets, you know, even our accountant got teary the other day when I told her we were down with TB because it's such a big challenge for us to get through. Why would you not? Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I think if I paid for a vaccine, in the long term, it would save me money Mm. just on the emotional cost to people. Yeah. 
before we start and you know some of those cows that had to walk up that back ramp last week they did a milking in the morning they did their last milking and then walked up a back ramp you know some of those cows were giving 55 liters of milk a day that's you know 55 households for that day gone worth of milk yeah just gone just gone and our cows are so happy and healthy so that was really good milk yeah that was not rubbish milk. <laughs> that was healthy, happy milk. Yeah. Just gone. It's devastating. Yeah. For the, for the next, you know, our cows have got longevity, haven't they? You know, some of our cows live till they're like 10. Yeah. You know, in production, some are 11, 12. Yeah. You know, think of Barbara. She's still got Barbara. She's 16 in the pet paddock. Um, and I was dreading that. I thought because she was an old cow, she would have flagged up, you know. I that really is the, thought the horrendous thing about having pets as well because they could, oh, it doesn't choose does it TB doesn't no. choose who it affects so we were hope well yeah we were hoping that they wouldn't weren't yeah. we but, but you've got to prepare for the worst haven't you baby so. soft pants was yeah but hey ho there's how many have we got five in the pet paddock now that's what we'd got sorry when we went down um, yeah. so for, to only lose one it's not great no but I'd, I honestly thought we'd lose because of their age. You know, they're yeah. older cows. They'll have had more exposure if they've had any. Yeah. There's more chance of exposure because of their ages. Yeah. Um, there's midnights in there and she must be 11 now. Yeah. She's just retired this time. So, yeah, I was I was very surprised it was only one. Yeah. But hey-ho. So now we have to wait 60 days. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to wait longer because... I'm choosing to carve this cow at home. So yeah, we're holding on to her. her. She's going to carve. Some farmers, if they're listening to this, will be thinking, is she mad? That's going to, you know, that's adding another month yeah. onto being shut down. But morally and ethically, I can't stand on a stage at a conference and preach to people about how important welfare is and how high welfare we run that's what we live for yeah and then be doing things like killing cows that are going to calf yeah and um, i can't do it so yeah so be it so we've got um, we've actually now got another month on top of that 60 days i'm afraid because i made that decision sorry so it's probably one of our downer days and one of our downer podcasts so i'm really sorry i think it was important that we probably do just get some information out there about TB and what it's about. Um, and hopefully another, we'll have a happier episode coming. Yeah, we, <laughs> we promise from now on that it won't be this uh, doom and gloom, but it does no. need to be spoken about. And yeah. it's a massive thing for us. So yeah, we do need to speak about it, don't we? Yeah, we do. And um, you're on carbs this afternoon, so you better get going because you've got to be some carbs. <laughs> the milk is coming in now as we talk. <laughs> Thanks for listening today. Remember, we have the milk shack. So if you're ever passing or you're over this way in Cheshire, always call in and say hello. Say hello to our girls. They're all on the yard chewing their cud. Chewing the Cud has been brought to you today by me, Leah Griffiths, and my co-host, Karen Holton. Remember, we're social cows, so keep up to date with all that's happening on the farm by visiting any of our social channels. See the links in the podcast episode. Like and subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. Thanks for listening.